Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota baseball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone! Touch them all, Joe Maurer! And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. It's a beautiful game, Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. I didn't know they still had a team. That's baseball. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. story that I heard today. I wish I could say this was off the record and I can't reveal the source, but it was Dan Gladden on the radio. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Twins Insider pulls back the curtain. Yes, it was it was Dan Gladden on the radio and I'm not sure if he was supposed to say this or not, but he but he said it. It was huh. near the end of a fun irreverent interview today and I said, "Hey, so the Twins are like 0 for 4 on their giveaway days for actually having the guy that they're featuring in the giveaway." Inside the stadium, active on the 25-man roster. Yep. Eddie Rosario giveaway day. They had a bobblehead or something. I can't remember what it was. And he was with the Rochester Red Wings. Yeah, it was. Wasn't a Rosario kids jersey. So yeah. The joke, of course, that day was, "Don't get your kid one of those jerseys unless you're also planning on a one-way flight to Rochester, New York." Exactly. Uh, I think Trevor Plouffe might have been on the disabled list. Yeah. was there a Miguel Sano giveaway in there Sano somewhere? Was hurt. Some, something like 0 for 4 or 1 for 5. Brian Dozier might have been on the roster when they had a giveaway day. So tonight, and we're recording this on Tuesday, July 5th. Happy belated 4th of July to all you loyal, the remaining loyal Touch Em All listeners. That all six of you. This. All six of you. We are so happy to have you with us. We appreciate it. He said they had to stop running the promos on the Twins Radio Network for the Byung-ho Park Korean Heritage Night. What I can't remember what they were calling it, but it was Korean Night at the Ballpark. Okay. They were going to give away something Byung-ho Park related. And about 10 or 12 days ago, someone told them, let's pull those promos from the airways because we've got a lot of roster maneuvering that might take oh, place in the coming no. weeks. you got Miguel Sano coming back from the disabled yeah. list. <laughs> and so... I don't know if they're still doing that tonight. You're going to the baseball game, so you can maybe tell me. I'll but I'm uh, very sad that two days before his featured night at Target Field, Byung-Ho Park, AAA Rochester. Let me ask you this, because I've brought this up with my friends, um, my friends on Twitter, and, and even just a couple people that I just regularly talk Twins baseball with. Now, I read a column. I, I was in Baltimore over the weekend, full disclosure, Um and, and I was not watching the Twins over the weekend. Right, I heard, I heard, full disclosure. I heard you're having a bit of an intervention. Um, <laughs> and I watched a little. I should take that. So what I what I what I understand, Judd was at the ballpark for us because Judd can't stay away from the ballpark. Judd's the only guy who will take a wraparound weekend off, so he'll take vacation on a Tuesday, wrap around a four day holiday weekend, and still go to Twins games and grind out columns. Like four out of six days, and so he wrote. 
on how the Twins made a good decision to move Sano back to third base, and it's just a logical call. And in a season of failures, making a logical call represents progress for this team because of how many bad decisions they've made. Slow clap for the Twins. Slow clap for the Twins front office and, and field staff. And he threw a, a little throwaway in there. I haven't got a chance to talk to him about it, so I'm just going to throw him under the bus on the podcast first and then ask questions later. He mentioned something about how it might just be time to admit that this Byung-Ho Park investment was a failed signing and you're flushing that money down the toilet, which... Oh, I disagree with that. Okay, thank you. Then we'll talk about this because that same sentiment also came across in Patrick Royce's recent column on, I think it was the Boreos-Malone column, how the Twins are embarrassing themselves by leaving Boreos in the minors in a season in which you should be figuring out what you got for the future, Mm -hmm. which I agree with Pat on that, but... He mentioned, I mean, the overall sentiment was just that Park's a failure. And I don't agree with that. I mean, we're talking double-digit home runs in the first third of a baseball season. There's power there. Could it it be, though, I might be speaking for both these guys out of turn. Could it be that he's not a failure? I agree with you that over the next three or four years, there's a, a pretty decent chance he becomes, at the very least, a guy who hits 20, 25, 30 home runs and doesn't give you a whole lot defensively. but For $3 but gives, million dollars sure. a year. But but could I also say he's not a failure, but he's not a fit and never was on this roster as constructed. Yes. And so for that reason, it was a failure to sign him. It, it was a failure because you compounded the mistake by not clearing up the rest of the logjam and figuring out third base. I, I'll grant you that. But I don't think bargain hunting for a powerful DH is, is ever really a failure. Um, you could trade that asset. Right now you can't trade the contract, but if he hits 15 home runs in the first half next year, you don't think there's a team out there in the American League that might say, oh, yeah, sure, we could use a DH that could hit 25 homers for four mil a year. Sure, but they but look at the chain of events that took place. So it's like I think you and I right. are, are in mostly in agreement on this, that to say that he's worthless and that he'll never amount to a good major league hitter. Let's I, give him some time before we say that. Sure, there was I'm another saying. hitter for the Orioles who they were trying to figure out a way to – to essentially wipe out his contract and send him back to the KBO, right. yeah. and now he's been one of their best hitters right. for the last six weeks or so. Hans Kim. So it's yeah. So sometimes it just takes a while to catch up with major league pitching, and I get that. But you could make a case, even if he was what you thought you were signing, which certainly wouldn't be the the all star MVP, three hundred plus average and power guy you saw in the KBO. But maybe you thought you were signing a guy who's going to hit two fifty was going to strike out a lot and was going to hit 25 home runs, and you might platoon him a little bit. That still, because he doesn't have a defensive position and because you have to move Miguel Sano to right bleeping field to make it work Mm lineup-wise. And, by the way, the other trickle-down effect is because you're mortgaging outfield defense, now you're taking a mediocre pitching staff and making it worse as well. There's there's all these trickle-down effects. Unless you're signing a guy who can be an absolute impact player and you'll just deal with the other trickle-down effects. Right. If he was making your lineup into a top six or seven lineup in baseball where you knew that you were going to outscore a lot of teams, you were going to be Diet Toronto, or you were, you were going to be Blue Jays light, <laughs> sure. right? Okay. Then, okay, I could see the logic. Sure. But when they made that signing, when they made that signing, I'll never forget, we were probably saying this on the podcast, oh, they are for sure trading Trevor Plouffe now. Right. Without question, they will trade Trevor Plouffe now. And they didn't. Right. So it, 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 I keep going back to... What was your plan if – was their plan, and Royce, you hinted at this, I think, in the column. Was their plan to light a fire under Sano 
hey, you can't DH because we signed a DH. You can't play third because we have Trevor Plouffe under contract for two more years. You have to play right field, and you have to keep in better shape. Mm-hmm. And that backfired on them if that was their plan. Yeah. If their plan was, oh, we legit think he's a, a right fielder who can be serviceable, then I mean, that backfired. Like, everything backfired for that. Yeah. Um, and I think even at 240, 240 pounds, I'd look at him and say, well, maybe, maybe there's a right fielder in there. But the twin said, no, no, there's a right fielder there. And I just thought, I don't quite understand for an, in his for, digestive system, for like, an, or, wow. <laughs> like a boa constrictor just subsumed he a rabbit. Jason Tyner who <laughs> used to play right field. There is a right fielder That's in there. Rude. It's Bobby Kielty. That's rude. Um, although funny, I'll give you that. Um, the, the, the fact that this organization should, for every reason, be coming at this thing with a sort, a certain air of humility or, or of modesty to come out and so arrogantly, defiantly almost say, no, there's a right fielder in there. I don't know what you guys are all questioning. I'm not sure what you're all worried about. Let's wait till we get to spring training and see. I remember at the time. When it was kind of a surprise that the Twins came out and beat every other team with their bid for Byung-ho Park. Uh, every major league team knew about this guy. Actually, didn't that give you pause right there? Wait, this is awesome, but nobody what? paid more than that for him? Wait sure. a second. Well, a little, but I think that the way the posting system is set up, you're kind of just, it's like you're bidding for a house on foreclosure. It's Yeah, you're you're going to want to bid enough to outbid other people, but you're like kind of also pulling yourself back in in that you don't want to have what is it called the uh like uh winner's curse where yep you bid the most but that means you were also willing to pay more for it and and you might be overpaying but not one team thought that he was worth say 25 million dollars to win the to win the rights to negotiate with him that doesn't give me pause i think that's just kind of the the system is set up to screw those players and those teams basically and Every team's just trying to outmaneuver the others. I, that that one, Phil, doesn't give me too much pause, I think. And I do think it's possible that this guy's not a player. It's possible he will he won't contribute enough value, and by the time the choice to make that fifth-year option rolls around, it'll be laughable, and you'll think, no way are we picking up that option. I also think it's possible that he figures this thing out. And at age 32, 33, you're thinking, you're kidding. We got this guy for four years for cheap, and we still get a fifth-year option? Wow, I'm so happy that system screws players and benefits teams, major league teams. Um, so I, all I'm saying, too early to say, but when that news came out, that the Twins had won the bid and that it was just a formality that they'd have to negotiate a contract, sign him to whatever term deal they want, and, and people started looking at Jung Ho Gong's contract in Pittsburgh and said, well, maybe it'll look like this. Turns out it looks exactly like that. Uh, I remember thinking, okay, so Byung Ho Park or Trevor Plouffe? And you chose Park. But that turns out that's not the case. I remember even when I went to the news conference when in which they were introducing Park, a lot of people went with the angle of, well, here's Park. And some, some even mentioned, you know, how does he fit into the team? But here's more about Park. And here's how players have transitioned from the KBO to Major League Baseball. I'm pretty sure I, we'd have to go back and look at the website archives, but I'm pretty sure my lead story that day was, Terry Ryan insists these pieces will fit because that, to me, was the biggest thing of, 
okay, you've got this roster that's a little weird. You've got a jigsaw puzzle, and it's a 500-piece puzzle, but you've got, like, 550 cardboard squares in the box. How are you going to make this work? And the Twins just crossed their arms and said, what do you mean? And that, to me, is the part that's always sort of irked me, that they had this... It's fine that they got creative with a plan. It's fine that they had confidence in that plan, even. But the fact that they were confident to the point of defiance, where they wouldn't even entertain the idea that, well, a backup plan in case Sano doesn't work out would be this. Yeah. But they said, no, what? I don't get the contention. This will work. And now, here you are, 4th of July weekend. Fast forward, it didn't work. But they their, their plan was, on paper... For them to move a 260, 270-pound hulking human being who's never played the outfield before. I heard he was up to 280 by the beginning of spring training. Sure. So to move him to the outfield is to say we are punting defensively. Right. We are we are to, in, in a fairly spacious outfield in which we play 81 of our 162 home games. And, and we don't know if Byron Buxton's going to be up here all year, which means our center field defense, and it did for a while, went down because now Danny Santana and Darren Mastriani are playing center field. By putting Miguel Sano in right field, you're punting on defense. You're also hurting a mediocre pitching staff that you just you just didn't, going into the season, have a number one or number two starter. And all the trickle-down effects of the bullpen. So if your plan was to stick all those guys in the lineup at the expense of outfield defense and pitching staff, sure. you better be damn sure that your plan includes top five offense. Sure. So... Where are they right now in terms of overall runs? Bottom yeah. five in the yeah. league, if not maybe bottom three. They've, right. they've been a little better since Brian Dozier picked it up lately and Miguel Sano has hit a couple home runs. But it's like I keep going back to who are you as a franchise? Sure. What is your mission statement? Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Touch 'Em All podcast here on 1500ESPN.com. It's Reavers asking all of you baseball fans to join us for the second annual Town Ball Classic at Target Field, Saturday, July 23rd. Tickets are only $10, and all of the proceeds go to benefit the Minnesota Twins Community Fund. I had the pleasure of playing in this game last year, and I have to tell you, it's a once-in-a-lifetime dream for all of these players. Three town ball games, Class A, B, and C, all three games at Target Field, and all three games broadcast live on 1500 ESPN. If you want more information, just go online to twinsbaseball.com backslash townball or go to 1500 ESPN and enter the keyword townball. We played this game on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Go down the successful teams in baseball and describe for me who they are in like three words or less. And then if you're the Twins, try and mirror that of the Royals or the Orioles or whatever blueprint you want to take on your own. You can pick and choose your own blueprint. Mm -hmm. If your blueprint is outscore teams and hit bombs, which is kind of what the Blue Jays are trying to do, and the Orioles and the Red Sox have tried to do that before, the Yankees have tried to do that before, or maybe their pitching staff is a little weak on the back half, but screw it, we're going to score six runs a game and good luck keeping up with us. We're going to hit 250 bombs in a season, good luck keeping, uh, keeping up with us. Well, then, cons- then construct a lineup that you know can do that. Yeah. If you think your contenders going into the year, which they did, and now they're they're kind of turning an about face and saying, "Well, it's about the prospects." Yeah, but you went into the season and all the moves you made right. were judging you not on 
the bad season as sort of one one bad season one off. We're judging you based on what you thought you put together right. and what actually is on the field right now. Yeah. And the gap is a Grand Canyon. Yeah. If you had process. if you had Mark Trumbo, you'd make the pieces fit. You know, if if you had all of these sluggers that you just didn't have enough lineup places for, well, all right. To then to your point of sacrificing defense. Okay, you're going to figure out something. If Miguel Sano's going to hit 40 home runs, and Byung-Ho Park's going to hit 30, and Trevor Plouffe's going to hit 30, and Brian Dozier's going to hit 30, well, okay, fine. You can, you'll can figure out the defense. You'll make it work. But then you fall drastically short of expectations, your own internal expectations there. That's when you start to have a problem. I, and one, one person that's not getting enough, I think blame's the wrong word, but one person that the Twins, I think, must have been too optimistic about. Ploof? Well, Ploof, sure. That's a great example. And part of it's because he's been playing through injury literally all year. Sure. Um, how about the Twins uh, suggesting that, oh, this will everything's going to be fine and he'll play and he'll tough it out. But you watched him run. You see that play that uh, uh, White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson goes deep, deep shortstop hole oh, yeah. in the outfield grass, picks it up, jeter hops. Ploof was crawling to first base. Throws Ploof out by 50 steps. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah, it was it was amazing. No shortstop. Um, Andrelton Simmons shouldn't make that play on Yadier Molina. And Tim Anderson, who, good shortstop, don't get me wrong, threw out Trevor Ploof yep. by a wide margin. So it's, it's clear Ploof is not there, and to his credit or detriment, depending on how you look at this, is willing to grind it out, play less than 100%, because he thinks him in the lineup can help the team win. Right. Well, and then the I'm... Twins said, oh, actually, his rib is cracked. He's going to go on the disabled right. list. Two things on Ploof. Number one, I saw that play on a Sports Center top 10 highlight because okay. it was a great play in the whole Yeah, it looks, it looks pretty if you're just watching the shortstop. And, and at first, I just saw – I can't remember the context. If I can't remember if – I just saw Tim Anderson going in the hole at short, and I forgot that they were playing the Twins. Okay. <laughs> so then I saw the ball fired over to first base, and you see Trevor Plouffe emerging into the picture. And I'm right. like, did someone, did a sniper shoot him in the batter's box? <laughs> right. Did he blow up both hamstrings, and now we know he's been playing with Yeah, I hate, to, I hate to laugh at him, because actually I meant to bring that up in the opposite regard, sure. that this guy has been fighting through things that you didn't even hear about, sure. and it turns out... It's much, much worse than the casual observer might have expected. But even at full strength, if he's 100% healthy, he's a league average offensive third baseman. Sure. He's not Josh Donaldson or Chris Bryant. He's, he's David Freeze. Yeah, in a good, exactly. In a good season, he'll give you 15, maybe 20 home runs. Maybe, maybe he gets hot and hits 24 home runs. But he's going to have a pretty low on-base percentage, and he's certainly not going to be among the league leaders in batting average and probably slugging percentage. And he's a good, solid defensive third baseman, but he's not Scott Rowland in his prime. Yeah. But they went into the season thinking, oh, we got a masher at third base in Ploof. Escobar was great in the second half last year. He'll be mm-hmm. the starting shortstop. And if all these young players pan out like Buxton, and if Sano doesn't go through a sophomore slump, oh, and Kurt Suzuki slash John Ryan Murphy, sure. that'll be a great platoon situation. If, 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 right. well, but if this, if that. If, if the bullpen, if, if Glenn Perkins holds yes, up. if Byung-Ho Park clicks right away in the major leagues. Their only chance with the roster construction the way it was going into the season, from Kevin Jepsen as your lights-out, quote-unquote, end-of-the-game guy, to your mediocre starting rotation, to the back end of your bullpen, which you failed to address in the offseason, to your outfield defense, which you're mortgaging with Miguel Sano in right field, your only chance to fulfill your expectations of making the playoffs 
was to outslug your opponents. Yeah. And I and I just gave you the line by line of what their lineup was going into the year. Mm. So what were they looking at as they looked at this game plan for the season? You can't. It, I've defended Terry Ryan for a long time, saying, "Hey, just it, it took him six years the first time around. He's got more of a budget this time, uh, more more prospects in the cupboard. This thing will pick up at some point." This season is indefensible on almost every level. Yeah. It just is. Um, you mentioned mortgaging the outfield defense by throwing Miguel Sano out. And, and since this is a podcast full of metaphors and analogies, I would like to contend that actually putting Miguel Sano in right field at, let's just call it 270 pounds, just to be fair, uh, is more like opening a like a home equity line of credit on your current house and then stopping and buying another house with that line of credit and then not making mortgage payments on either of those houses and just sort of letting it drift into foreclosure until the bank takes both of your properties. Um, that That's kind of more what that's been like. And frankly, I think he could be a decent third baseman. I am not convinced. Like there seem to be – there seems to be this belief among um, among people who – either who are on the Five Thoughts email list and will respond uh, in my email inbox or people who will tweet me um, or any any mode that people use to get into contact with me about the Twins. There seems to be this belief that the Twins are just shunning away from a top five defensive third baseman in Miguel Sano. And the, have you seen some of the diving stops and throws he's made? Yes, I have. And I think he has potential to be a top half defensive third baseman. But did you see the Olay play he tried to make the other day? Not get around the ball, let the ball skip out into left field, and the Twins end up losing the game and whatever, 3-1. to one, It's no big deal. It's nondescript. That run matters or it doesn't. We just we forget about those because we remember the highlights. Miguel Sano is not yet a very good defensive third baseman. So um, remains to be seen what he'll contribute there. I know he's told me in the past he wants to win a gold glove at third base. That's a high aspiration. And some people hear that and think he's a motivated guy. He'll put in the work to be great. Let's hold off on those declarations just on the fact that he wants to win a gold glove. You know who else has told me, like specifically told me when I talk about their goals and your future planning and what you'd like to do in your career? Two players who've also told me they want to win a gold glove, well, Trevor Plouffe and Eduardo Nunez. Plouffe's probably the closest of the three of them, but are we sitting here wondering which year each of those three players is going to win a gold glove? Yeah, no, New- probably not. Nunez is a weird case because, and this goes down to, we could talk about this leading up to the trade deadline too, but he has position value and that he can play about six different positions, but he's pretty terrible at almost all of them, right? He's a pretty terrible shortstop. When it's, you like, watch him. it's like saying I have flexibility for this radio station because <laughs> I, I go can, on different shows. I could host a podcast. I could go on with <laughs> Pat Royce. I could go on with you guys. I could write about the Vikings. I could write about the twins. I could edit stories, but really like what are those things are you actually good at? Yeah. And it, for me, it's, it's hard to answer that question for Nunez. Same kind of deal. He's a streaky fielder. I think he can make some good plays as a shortstop as a third baseman, but I don't think you'd look at him over the course of a season and say, Oh yeah, that's definitely a guy. So anyway, it's a it's a roundabout way of making the point that um, the Twins, as promising as I think some of their young players are, and you can add Eddie Rosario to that list, definitely you can add Max mm-hmm. Kepler to that list. Byron Buxton tops that list probably still. There's still a lot of questions. There are a lot of things, a lot of unanswered of 
where is he going to play? How good is he going to be? How quickly can he sort of come into his own, uh, you know, and and feel like he's in his element? Byron Buxton, I think it's pretty obvious, is out of his element. He's extended beyond his comfort zone. At what point do you start to raise a red flag there? Man, this it's, season it's, it's going up a little bit for me. Yeah, yeah, I think we talked about that in the in the past. Of is there concern? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, top prospects don't start out this poorly. But that being said, it's still early, right? I mean, I don't think you're saying this kid can't play. I mean, he's not going to be a player. the The nice thing about Buxton is that, in the very worst case scenario, he provides offensive value in terms of his base running and top of the charts defensive value. Yeah, he's But if that's what he becomes, that's got to be so disappointing for the Twins and their fans. Yeah, I don't want to negate everything we talked about a few weeks ago in our Don't Panic on Byron Buxton podcast, but he keeps making the same mistakes at the plate where he'll he'll get into these counts where it's one and two, he'll take a fastball down the pipe because who knows what he's looking at? I don't know what his plan is. And then pitchers know, even left-handed pitchers can drop that little back foot slider and he's going to swing and miss or foul it off and and not be able to keep it fair. How many times do you have to see that same exact pitch sequence until you stop swinging at that pitch? Right. Well, that's the the annoying thing to watch. The very weird thing about it too is like some, some people are suggesting to me again, not if they're, if they're subscribed to the email list or whatever, and they respond to me on there uh, that, you know, how long can you let the Buxton string play out? Well, you just got to send him to Rochester to which I respond. I mean, what what left does he have to show you in Rochester? Like he he showed that he can hit those pitchers. He's shown that he's an offensive force in yeah. the minor leagues. So the Twins must be hopeful and patient. And as hard as that is in a season that looks like this, I think it'd be very different if the Twins were on their way to winning ninety two to ninety six games. And you thought, boy, you th- you think of it one of two ways: either he is an anchor in center field and not the good kind of anchor i mean the kind of anchor that's too heavy for your boat and is pulling you down so you might as well just roll with danny santana or fill in the blank uh or you might look at it hey this team's gonna win 92 games is gonna mess around with a wild card spot and buxton can just sort of bat ninth play great defense and come along slowly and by the time this kid's 24 we think we got a real player a two-way force that it's going to be laughable that there was even these struggles. Um, I do think it changes the perspective when you're losing this badly and he's perceived to be a big part of the problem um, instead of just sort of an afterthought guy who's trying to make his own way. The Twins just have um, – the, the Twins are going to have more patience, I think, than fans naturally. I mean that's just the way it works. But it does get to a point where I think you have to start reasonably asking yourself the question – not not what is the problem. I think we've all sort of identified the problem. If you're watching closely, it's pitch recognition, it's sliders, it's no ability to control counts, and even even though it's gotten a little bit better, still very little ability to sort of control the strike zone, mm-hmm. if, if you know what I mean by that. Um, control the strike zone, meaning 1-1 um, count, you get a fastball on the outer third, but you think there's a decent chance that is out of the strike zone and it's not the pitch you were looking for, so you take it knowing that a certain percentage of the time the count's going to flip in your favor and be 2-1 because the umpire will call that outside. That's That, to me, is controlling the strike zone. Buxton doesn't have that, and so, or at least hasn't demonstrated that in the majors. I think you do reach a point here, and it happens this summer. I don't think you wait longer than that, where it becomes not what is the problem, but 
did we contribute to this problem and yes. how do we fix it? Okay, so that I, I'd like to dive into that real quick because this is just this is a, a big picture, macro, maybe even incorrect observation. I'm just gonna throw it out. But it oftentimes feels like lately, the last few years, good twins prospects come up and they're and they've gotten by on raw talent more than anything else throughout the systems, whether it's double A after triple A where they're performing and Byron Buxton has some of the most amazing raw talent among any player in the major leagues. Forget about just young players, but of any player in the major leagues. And Miguel Sano has some of the best raw talent and raw power. But then Buxton gets up here, or certain pitchers get up here, and you wonder, what, what are you throwing in different counts? What, do you not understand game theory, or do you not understand... Sometimes sort of I watch like hitter psychology. Sometimes I watch Michael Tonkin and I think, how did you put up these stunning numbers in the minor leagues? Yeah, why are you throwing a flip me over breaking ball on three two? Because you you knew that you could throw a breaking ball against most hitters in AAA. Like mm-hmm. why why do you not know that you can't do that in the major leagues? Sure. Why does Byron Buxton not have any feel for the strike zone in the major leagues? Why is Eddie Rosario making idiot mistakes on the base paths and in left field mm-hmm. as a really talented player? And I almost, and this is the hard thing, it's hard to really get into the weeds on what's broken with the Twins' developmental system. Sure. But there was a lot of players who'd come up and they would play above and beyond maybe their physical potential the first time Terry Ryan was in charge because that those Twins, they had no choice in the early 2000s into the mid-2000s but to be really great fundamentally, really great at running the bases and playing defense and being, as a pitching staff, elevating from number three and number four starters, and maybe pitching above your capabilities or bullpen guys, whatever it may be. It felt like Twins teams in the past were just better baseball players when they came up through the pipeline than they are right now. Hmm. And I can't prove that factually. I can only sense that. Hmm. Is Byron Buxton just destined to be this lost at the plate? Is Eddie Rosario just destined to be a space cadet in the field and on the base pass? Or is it something that, is there a hole in the system somewhere yeah, that's different now question. than it was maybe eight years ago? It's a good question. To finish up that point, we talked in the past about Buxton, and if his stock price is dropping right now, I'm not scared and selling off my shares. I'm going to try to acquire more at this lower price point. I would. I was saying, you know, I'm still buying on Byron Buxton. If you're selling, I'll take your discounted shares. Sure. I still want to have a lot of Byron Buxton shares in my portfolio, but I'm considering diversifying that thing a little bit more these days. Stay tuned for 60-second AP News headlines.